Welcome to The Kindness Project, the podcast designed to share stories of kindness and share how kindness can make positive change in our world, one small act at a time. This week on The Kindness Project, we talk about body shapes, being lucky, and we have part one of our interview with Laura Pimenti. Good afternoon, evening, morning, wherever you're listening to The Kindness Project today. Welcome to The Kindness Project. I am joined by a girl with extremely long legs and a teeny bitty torso, it's Charlotte Ames. And I'm joined by a man who's got the same length of legs as me, but somehow has a bigger torso. It's Chris Ames. Now, really, we're standing here recording the podcast and we're comparing leg legs. Yeah, well, my trousers are the same <coughs> point of my hips as yours, so our legs must be similar or same length, right? But you are taller than me and I can't see a the lot top of your head. A lot taller. So... Ladies and gents, I don't know whether it's six foot two, two, two foot if, tall. I can't tell if it's like the midsection or the neck. Well, I haven't got a <laughs> massive neck, have I? What about a giraffe? You have a really sudden? skinny head as well. Uh, I've got a really skinny head and a really massive neck. Just uh, that's all I need on a Monday. I've I've had two hours in the dentist chair on Friday, and suddenly I'm getting insulted by having a massive neck and a skinny head. I can't believe well, it. When things are like skinnier, they become longer, and you've got like a really well, no, they no no they no. When things become skinnier, they're not longer. They're just less wide, aren't they? Well, but if you if you had a circle and you squished it. Yeah. It would become longer. Yeah, but if you had a if you had a circle and you elongated it, it would become what shape? Shorter. It would become like a sideways oval. Yeah, but I don't, right. If I put on five stone right now, I wouldn't. You know a bigger size. chin. You know a bigger chin. Yeah, I know. But I think this and is my natural chin size. Anyway, ladies and gents, unofficial question of the podcast part one is: Is it right to have? Long legs and a short torso, or so you've just got a long torso. No, no, is it right to have equally long legs and then an equally long torso, or long legs and a short torso? Because I think that's where you are. I don't know what the you know, these your things legs where, end there, right? And my legs end there. You are, you do realize we're doing a podcast, yeah? Well, you're pointing to my legs. I've just, just got me yeah. in. This is podcast gold, ladies and gentlemen, where, where somebody just points to your legs. Um, anyway, <laughs> anyway, on that note, yes. what I'd like to know, unofficial question of the podcast listeners, is what is the ideal torso? Slash leg length. Should your torso be a similar length to your legs? I think. Or should your legs be a lot longer than your torso, like you? I think we're talking like torso should be like two, three thirds of your body. Right. Head should be about one third. How about neck? Because if you've no, got a head, giraffe. Head and neck are just All right. squished it, together. Well, apparently I've got a giraffe neck. Yeah, so, so maybe. So you, maybe I am deformed. Maybe no, I am a just I mean, weird body shape. Your head shape. is probably about. One tenth of your body, so you've got extremely long legs like I do, right? And a really long torso, just unlike me. I just think you've got a short torso there, so I don't know. Anyway, I've got your legs though. Anyway, you have got my legs. You have you got mum's torso? There's the problem. <laughs> it's like one of those weird um, uh, uh, things you used to get as a kid, where you used to flip the torso over, and it used to be a different torso each time. <laughs> Anyway, um, let's talk about question of the podcast. Um, we had food and drink goes amazingly well last time. We've got some amazing answers to that particular question. The next question of the podcast is 
Let me find it. Let me find it. Let me find it. I have new let, rings on, and drum let, rolling is making let, it's difficult. Let me find it. Let me find it. Let me find it. What do you consider being the luckiest break you've ever had in your life? Now, interestingly, this question um, uh, uh, is an interesting one because actually, luck and art, hard work are. How, how do you define luck, and how do you define hard work? Uh, Luck is random chance and hard work is something that you achieve by your own hands. And I think whatever success we achieve in our life uh, is probably a combination of two, yeah. isn't it? Because I think we are lucky to be given the opportunities we've got. When oh, compare... I thought you were going to say we are lucky to have a life at all. Well, that's true. That's true. Um, but Your existence is one in a million. Yeah, is it really? Yeah. What's the odds of you being born with really long legs and a tiny little torso? It really does depend on your genetics. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you really can't blame me for my short torso, can you? No, I can't. Uh, no, 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 I can't. I can't. You, your uh, short torso is... I'm, I'm probably partially responsible. My mum's partially responsible. Yeah, I mean, it's no. only like... <laughs> no, no, let's be honest. <laughs> I could fly a plane over the height difference. Oh, when, when you were growing up, I thought you were going to be super tall. I reckon Soph's going to be super tall. Maybe, 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 maybe she'll get long legs and a long torso. So I'm just not that lucky. So, ladies and gents, the question of the podcast this week is: What do you consider being your lucky break in life? When have you been? Really, really lucky. Um, and then also, just give us a li little bit of commentary on what you consider luck and what you consider hard work, because there's always a combination of those two mm -hmm. things, aren't there? Um, can you let people know where they can uh, get in touch Always with you? It's been a while since I've done this. What, three weeks, four weeks? Anyway, uh, Twitter, we're at Ola Kindness. On Facebook, if you just search The Kindness Project, we'll turn up eventually. Keep looking. We're there, I promise. Uh, if... <laughs> <laughs> we we should be at the top, shouldn't yeah. we? Uh, if you um if you want to see our website, it's just www.thekindnessproject.co.uk. But if you type us into Google, we should be the first thing that comes up. I think I haven't tried it. We have an email, Ola at thekindnessproject.co.uk, and MySpace and Friends Reunited had to be taken down due to the unpopularity of the sites. <laughs> <laughs> no, not the kindness project. MySpace and Friends Reunited. Yeah. I think MySpace has only just recently stopped um, stopped doing stuff. Actually, I think MySpace is. I might have to just try, try and make a MySpace account. See how yeah. it goes. Yeah. Can you just? I'll come back to you with that. Can you just have a username, long legs, little tilt also? Just see if it's uh, if it's uh, available. That reminds me of something I like from a different podcast. Now, oh, go on and tell us about that. Oh, uh, average height, medium rage. Average height, medium range. Talk yeah. to me about that. No, I'm good. No, why? Did I, I just brought it up because I was like, oh, I, I've stopped talking now. I, I'm standing in silence. He's gonna want a reason why I've stand stop talking and standing in silence. Well, I, I've got a feeling it's your little torso. I'm, that's what I'm blaming everything on now. Little torso like us. Um, but the other thing I was gonna talk to you about was um, uh, your blog. Because I know you don't like advertising your own blog, and I know you've been doing some amazing writing on your own blog. So tell us a little bit about that. It's a blog. <laughs> right, sorry, sorry. 
I'm giving you the opportunity. Prime ad space. With, with prime ad space on the Kindness Project <laughs> with our thousands and thousands and thousands of listeners to give your own blog a pitch. Yeah, yeah, okay. Say, okay. okay. Oh, um, <laughs> righto, righto. Okay, so I have a blog. Uh, and as you know, my name is Charlotte Dames. And if you want to find my blog, it is www.charlottedames.co.uk. And on it, I share my own personal opinions. And what the article about will always be in the title of the article. So if you don't want to read about a certain thing, just skim past it. No, no, wait, no, you're meant to be selling it. You're meant to be selling it. Yeah, Why it, should people check out the blog? Uh, because I put a lot of hard work and effort into it and I share my own personal opinions. I think everyone's opinions are, are interesting and hearing about other people's varying viewpoints are interesting. But not only do I share my own personal opinions, I share research that I've done and I look into some interesting topics like the origin of human understanding of time. There's two parts on the history of time and human understanding of it. Uh, I've also done an article about the tenuous link between plagues and frig in... Right, so, ladies and gentlemen, if you want to uh, uh, <laughs> understand about the history of time and the tenuous link between plagues and whatever frig is, um, then take a look at Charlotte's blog. I know, I know what I'm talking about. Um, Colonisation. Yeah, plagues and colonisation. Yeah, so if you're into, I mean, genuinely, some of the writing that Charlotte does, and I know I'm a bit biased, but some of the some of the writing Charlotte does is truly amazing. Um, she's not, as you can probably tell, not particularly up for promoting it as actively as she should. Um, but we've got this amazing, amazing forum and a bunch of really loyal fans and listeners to support us to uh, to go and check out Charlotte's website. So please do that. Uh, email Charlotte at uh, longlegslittletorso at hotmail.com. No, um, uh, no. If people want to comment on your blog, where should they get in touch with you? On the blog. There's a comment section. Get in touch with the comments on the blog. Only kind comments only. Constructive criticism is... is, is wanted but only if it's constructive right? also if you're coming from here uh from the kindness project obviously hi uh then please leave a comment that that was how you found me yeah I guess. yeah perfect yeah so check out you know what ladies and gents i had some dental surgery on friday um and literally uh i'm still in quite a lot of pain um, you and sound very fight, merry for someone who's in quite a lot of pain. I, know, yeah. I shouldn't have said quite a lot of pain in this way. Quite a lot of pain. I should have said it like this. It's bloody hurting. <laughs> uh, but I am in quite a lot of pain. I am fighting through it. We will get through the Kindness Project. We will share the stories of people doing amazing stuff in the world. I'm going to ignore the pain for the purposes of this and then just go and come collapse in a heap on the sofa. Um, so Three yeah, fives. Yeah, so, so we will get there. Anyway, on that note, should we get on with the show? Let's do it. So this week, we've got the amazing Laura Formenti um, talking about kindness, the work she does on kindness. This was an interview we did quite a while ago now, um, and it's great to share Laura's story. Do you want to um, do you wanna, um, listen to it? it? Yeah, it. great. Good morning, Laura. How are you? 
Good morning. I am great. How are you guys? Uh, doing all right. As, as we said before the podcast started, we're a little bit cold today because it's uh, it's it's now late November um, when we're recording this, 2020. What a year. I know. What a year 2020 has been. This probably won't come out until 2021 now. True, true. So, so yeah, and uh, we're, um, I, don't, I don't know about you, Laura, but we're, we've decided to start our Christmas celebrations early. Um, how about you? Well, uh, we haven't even really thought about Christmas yet. <laughs> it's just okay. So um, it's been very, uh, it's been pretty crazy because, um, you know, well, we're in Sicily, okay, and we're in southern Sicily. And um, it's one of those regions where, uh, you know, things things change every day. Like uh, the laws change every day. Um, they tell you to do one thing one day, and then the following day it's a different thing. So you don't know whether you're okay. Coming or going. Or, yeah. Uh, yeah, so anyway. Um, but, yeah, I mean – you know, overall, it's going to be a very different Christmas because, it is. Um, yeah, but, um, but we're, you know, we're hopeful that next year will be um, a fantastic Christmas follow, you know, together with a bunch of friends and, and family again. And, you know, I'm sure this year is not going to be like that for us. Yeah, we, we don't know what's going on in the UK at the minute, but it looks like they are, because we're, we're in lockdown number two at the minute, and it looks right. like they might release us. <laughs> yeah. Release go? us into the wild Where again. Are we go? I don't know. I don't know. Can we can we can we go places? Uh, yeah, um, no. <laughs> we can go outside. Yeah, we could. In I'm the like, cold I'm in like, November. I might go for a run later. I don't know. Um, so Laura, instead of us wittering on about where we're gonna go after lockdown, tell us a little bit about who you are. Well, um, okay, so my uh, previous life, I in my previous life I was an archaeologist. So I um I'm originally from Milan, Italy, and I moved to the States um, in my early 20s. Okay. okay. So I went to university in the US and I, you know, worked in the US as, you know, for the universities as an archaeologist, archivist, and and many great things like that. But then um I went through a period where um, I found myself at a crossroads. And it was a big, big, uh, big year for me because it was the same year when my mo- mother died okay. and when my uh, divorce, fi- I finalized my divorce. And so, you know, I had one son was already almost finished with college. The other one was already had already started college. And so I decided to just, you know, take a different path. I said, OK, I'm going I have nothing to lose. I sold most of my possessions and I decided to travel. Okay. And so I, yeah, and I, you know, I left the U.S. Um, and I took this amazing six-week trip to Africa. So it was a, a trip that took me from um, South Africa to eight different um, countries. And it ended in Tanzania. No, it ended in Kenya. And so it was such an eye opener because back in the U.S., you know, there was just so especially back then I was living in Los Angeles. It was such a 
it was such a world full of superficial things and people yeah, just worried about this and that and you know how many cars i have and you know it was like oh my i was just ready for a change and i was ready for just to leave everything behind and so this trip to africa was an eye-opener for me it was very um refreshing in a way because we uh we went to so many different places where there was no internet connection okay so you're talking about six weeks and for sometimes we would go it was a it was a group of 22 people it was with the um uh now it's with lonely planet but back then it was with intrepid travel which is an okay. australian uh and it's you really planned cool. trip you didn't just sort of get on a plane and decide where you were going to go for six weeks no it was like an organized trip with a you know it was a smaller group it was 20 people um, and so, um, but I decided to do, to do something where, um, you know, they would lead me and they would take me maybe to, you know, I, I wanted to be with the, you know, with a group where, you know, I would have a guide and, you know, they would tell me, Hey, this is because, you know, there are a lot of places in Africa that aren't safe. And so I felt safer to yeah. be with Exactly. That's that's why you deal with those trips. So I'm really sorry. Let me understand the big difference then. So you went from this, as as you said it, this seemingly materialistic and superficial life in LA. You took this trip to Africa. Yeah. What was the biggest difference for you between those two worlds? Wow. Um, Well, everything is completely different uh, there. Um, but I don't know if you guys have, you know, been to. I, 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 have you ever been to Africa? I don't think you have. Have you ever been to? You've been to North Africa, haven't you? So Charlotte, Charlotte's only only nearly seventeen. So her experience of travel right. is a little, a little bit less than mine. Lord, I, I don't remember. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, I've got a feeling that the last time you were in Africa, we you were in um, Egypt. Um, uh, and but I've done, I've done, um, I, I actually haven't done that much more of Africa. I've done, um, South Africa, mm-hmm. so I've been yeah. to Cape Town. Um, uh, so have you actually, but we won't talk about that. Um, uh, <laughs> uh but, um, oh. yeah, <laughs> but, um, uh, yeah, so, so I've done, I've done a bit of north of the Morocco and Egypt and stuff yeah. like that. Bit of sort of the uh, South Africa, but yeah. weirdly nowhere in the middle, and it's on my list. Yeah. It's so incredibly different because, well, number one, the poverty that you see is something that you can't even describe until you really, unless you really go there. Yeah, and, um, it's you know people live in huts made of literally bricks and mud, and you know, and it's it, you know like there's. It's incredible, but um, the poverty is everywhere. The internet, you know, there's not even, they're not even close to what we have here as far as connecting with the rest of the world. You know, they connect with their own communities, but, you know, the connection with the rest of the world is almost non-existent. Did you you find that changes the dynamic when people are engaging with each other? Because as you say, you've got to communicate 
face to face as humans, don't you? Yeah, and that's that's exactly what I was going to say. It's um, something that really um, stayed with me because there's a sense of community there that you I've never seen anywhere else, and I think it's because of this quote unquote lack of um, you know social media connection um, that you know in a way I've always thought I've never been a social media person I never really cared and never really liked it because I don't know a lot of it in my opinion it's just my opinion but I just always felt it was you know a lot of the stuff that people post is unnecessary or I don't know I feel like it's almost kind of a waste of time well you know what it's an interesting one I, I, I think you're I think I mean, uh, you might have a different perspective on it, Charlotte, and we'll come to you. But I think um, certainly you can waste a lot of time going down in rabbit holes. But I had this this conversation, I was at a, a... lunch um when we could have lunches um uh and actually it was only a few weeks ago between lockdown one and lockdown two for me i was at this lunch and we were we were talking politics you know it's a bunch of blokes bunch of fellas to to, uh, that's never a good sign no no but this is the difference this is the difference you had a bunch of people with different political opinions sitting around the table having a respectful conversation about what they believe and why they believe it Mm -hmm. right yeah um and one of the things that got raised is one of the guys was um uh, a bit of a political campaigner on Twitter. So he jumps on Twitter. And, I know, I know, I know. So it was a bit of a political campaigner on Twitter. And yeah. I, the question that I asked him, um, uh, he didn't have a good answer for, but I thought it was interesting. And the question I asked him was, when was the last time on social media you changed somebody's mind? Mm. When was the last time somebody said, you know what, you've got a fair point there? Um, and I don't think I think the challenge you've got with a lot of social media, and I, I'm a, I, I think it has got the power to connect. Mm-hmm. But the challenge you've got is that it's also, and we've seen this recently, has got a massive power to polarise. Um, yes, you can't be yeah. as empathetic uh, online as you can in person, can you? Exactly. Yeah, and then I agree with you. It's just um, and. I, the, when I was in Africa, I really saw it, you know, firsthand. Yeah. And um, they have each other's back, and you know, and I was always welcome in all the communities that we visited. So <laughs> we visited like the most remote areas. So we visited the Sam Bushman, and we, you know, this they, in. Um, I think it was in Zimbabwe, but um, we went to Malawi, which is. Probably, I think it's the poorest country in Africa, but yeah. I'm not sure, or either the second poorest or the poorest. And, you know, they live in conditions that for us Westerners are appalling, but you see the love, this, you see the sense of community, you see they're there for each other. And yeah. I was welcome and they were like all happy. And so I visited the community with all these kids 
who had just come out of their uh, of school all in bare feet and you know running in the mud and they kind they came to me and wanted to hold my hands and you know and because I'm blonde and so they I was kind of an alien for the for the community but they were so excited to see me and the funny thing was you know I I I had um, nail gels back then and you know I had long nails and they're all painted and the girls you know they were they were like eight nine years old they were staring at my nails and they were like oh you know touching my hair it was really and, unusual for them and very unusual and I felt like a bit out of place for sure but then they made you feel so connected and so welcome that it was it was really sweet and but then you know we visited Tanzania we went to um really 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 remote areas we went to uh, we visited the uh, villages uh, near um, Victoria Falls and we went to uh, Zambia, which is also very poor. Um, but, you know, I always felt this welcoming attitude and there, you know, and everybody was smiling. It was, you know, as we were driving through these communities with the, our big truck, people would just come to the truck and wave and they were all happy and smiling and you know, it was just really, we were kind of like, almost like the circus coming to their village. <laughs> but, <laughs> really, really, it was really but, um, <laughs> but anyway, so when I came back from Africa, it, it was life changing. I was like, wow, I was just so happy. It was uncomfortable in a lot of ways because I didn't have that usual connection. We didn't have, you know, internet connection for many days. And so occasionally we would stay at a remote motel with a little bit of connection and everybody would be trying to, you know, make a oh, phone God. call or WhatsApp or whatever. But, but you know, at the, in, at the end of the trip, we all agreed um, that it was a godsend not to have connection for that long. First, for so seven. so let, let me ask you what you felt that you got out of that sort of not being consistently connected was it an element of sort of mindfulness an element to just reconnect with nature and think what what was it that you felt that not having that connection helped you do yeah i would say all of the above i would say uh, a reconnection with nature for sure a reconnection with myself because i it's so easy with all the social media stuff and you know uh, constantly trying to connect with people to really lose connection with yourself and so i it was it's really uncomfortable at first cuz you go through these waves of keep thinking oh i wonder what she's doing i wonder what he's doing i uh, wonder oh I wish I could send them these photos today or I, but you can't because you have to wait five days before you do that. And so, you know, as you, since we're living in this era of instant uh, gratification, it's like, wow, you can't do it. It's almost like right now during COVID, a lot of things we cannot do. And so it's almost a way it's almost like earth saying, okay, let's, let's press the, 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 the pause button a bit so that we all re recenter. And I think my recentering started then. And it's never, I never stopped because I was like, wow, I really know what my path is now. I really get it. It's, I understand what the important things are and what, isn't important you know anymore and and that that was your inspiration was it start all your non-profit work was that where it started 
Yeah, that was my inspiration. And, um, but I've always been an empath. And so being empathic, you know, in the past, I always, I always used to really absorb people's energies. And, you know, if someone's sad, I become sad. And I'm like, you know, and so that trip to Africa was kind of like a catalyst for me to create something meaningful because I was like, I saw the poverty. I saw what was really important. And I knew that I was empathic and I was thinking, how can I put all these skills of the puzzle together? Yeah. And so that was really the catalyst for me. And um, I realized that, you know, there were so many things that I could do. But, you know, there's so many things that you can do when you come back from a trip from Africa that it was overwhelming because I was like, oh, wow. I and when, when, you, when you came back, uh, just help me understand, because you say come back, are you talking about going back to L.A.? Is that where you went back to? Yes, I went back to LA and I immediately started reaching out to many people who already had had done fundraising. Um, and uh, people I knew, uh, friends of friends. And, um, and so I, you know, I started um, this process of, uh, because I had kept the contacts from a lot of the people in Africa, I mean, people who needed help. I needed, yeah. you know, there was a clinic in Malawi that needed uh, uh, mosquito nets, they needed mattresses for, for where, you know, for the, where the women delivered the mattresses were not even mattresses. They were just like, um, just, you know, rags in all torn and it was just awful. And so mm-hmm. I knew that I, I needed to do something and so I reached out to a lot of people, but I knew that I did not want to be in LA anymore. Um, I knew that I had to get out of there. I just went back because I had contacts. I had contacts. I had the right connections for the fundraising. And then um, once I did that, I, you know, I I learned how to fundraise, and I was able to bring in the money to, um, you know, to renovate the clinic in Malawi. And I also ended up renovating um, this orphanage in Kenya. And in fact, I met the funder, the funder, um, I'm sorry, the founder of the orphanage. Her name was Mama John. And she, when I met her, it was the only time I met her during my trip. Uh, She asked me to run the orphanage and I said, you know, I mean, there's no way I can run an orphanage. I can help maybe. So I knew that when I went back to LA, I knew that I had all these things that I wanted to do. I didn't know where to start, but so I ended up renovating the, with her um, and the help of others, the, um, you know, the dorms at the orphanage and their kitchen and lots of different things. And, and, um, and so so that was another thing that I ended up doing. And then, um, and then I became a nonprofit photographer. I took many, many trips after, um, after coming back to, uh, from Africa to work with organizations um, around the world to be their nonprofit photographer so they would help, so that my photos would help their website. Showcase the, their needs, right? Show what they're doing and, and show right. what they need. Yeah. 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 So Charlotte's got a question. Uh, uh, So I was writing the questions for this interview and I was looking on your website and I found this thing called Love in Action. I was wondering if you could explain to us what... Love in Action is. 
Yeah, so... Um, oh, your website is very colourful, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we, we like your website because it, it was it was quite bright, wasn't it? Yeah. It was, it was quite a cheerful website. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, I um, I just wanted to make sure that, you know, it was um, it, it was the whole point to make it cheerful because yeah. I think that, you know, I, my idea was to create something that shows that, you know, anything really dark can be transformed, that anything, um, you know, anything dark can be made colorful again. So, well, I've I've got to be honest, Laura, it did give me a bit of website envy, right? So, so our our website is just all our podcasts, isn't it? And it's quite dark blue. I mean, Russell designed it, so I'm blaming Russ. I like dark blue. (laughs) Lucky it's nice and sleek. No, it's sleek. It's it's yeah. sleek. I mean, I, I don't know when the Kindness Project t- turned into a website critique, but um, <laughs> it's sleek. But like Laura's, is like bright and colourful and happy and cheerful, and the and the podcast is like that, isn't it? So I don't know whether there we, we go. Change, yeah, uh, exactly. Change the style. But we've always been. Yeah. Do you we'll want keep... us to be yellow now? Yeah. <laughs> Russ, can we have no. a yellow? Oh, your right. podcast, your podcast is super cheerful. Hopefully, this web website page will cheer up people too. Russ, why, why is your <laughs> website so miserable? <laughs> Russ, Russ, why are we losing the, the, the weird, such a sad the, the weird thing is, Laura, because <laughs> Russ, our esteemed producer, is now cringing as he's <laughs> listening to this because he doesn't like to go on live, but. But I'm just going to, every now and again, as we're going through this interview, I'm really sorry. This interview is about you, clearly. But uh, just because it, it frankly entertains me, I'm just going to go, Russ, why is that website blue? Just just make just sure, every, remind me of that. Every now and again, we're just like, you know, green's a nice colour. Exactly. <laughs> what's, uh, what's the worst colour for a website, Charlotte? Brown. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Anyway, sorry, Laura, we've interrupted. Russ, yellow, yeah, yeah. for that. Um, Laura, tell me, tell, tell us a little bit about Love in Action. Yeah. So, well, um, as I was saying earlier, um, being empathic, um, you know, is not always easy because you know if an, if you're an empath that means you're absorbing constantly because you don't how know do you, you end. sorry yeah. how do you manage as an empath how do you manage that emotion because that could could potentially get quite tough to to manage right because if you're sort of taking on other people how do, you, how do you manage that to protect your own mental health well, I just, you know, I learned to separate emotion from work because I said, if I get the emotion involved, if I involve the emotion, then I'm not going to be able to um, carry on what I'm supposed to do or what I want to do. So I learned to do that. It was a process. It wasn't super easy in the beginning, especially when I first visited the orphanage, the, the, the condition was so bad, so bad. These kids were living in dorms that were just pitiful. I'm telling you, it's just, I, I was like in shock and, um, um, you know, there were bed bugs in the mattresses and, you know, it was just appalling. So, but my, I'm an empath, but I'm also really, really, really 
it's it's like the compassion that came out. So yeah. it, it's almost like I what what happened there was this empathy transforming to empathy in action, which I yeah. also call loving action. Sure. So it almost, sounds like you're quite practical, right? Like that adding yeah. that into getting stuff done. Right. Yeah, because I, you know, I think a lot of people really, really want to do something meaningful, but they don't know where to start because maybe it's daunting. Maybe, maybe it's, oh, wow, you know, where do I start? Where do I go from here? I want to I want to help this community or I want to help my even you don't have to go the, you know, to the other side of the world, of, of course, but to do anything meaningful. Um, take action, don't you? It takes, uh, yeah, you need to take action and you, you need to come up with a plan where you take specific steps. But the first step that you need to take is to, especially if you're an empath, is to understand where your boundaries are. So where you end and where the other person starts and, you know, you're there to help them, but you're not there to absorb what they're going through. So, and that's what happened. And, you know, and even in all the work that I've done after with the, you know, in the animal welfare and all of that, you know, I've seen stuff that is appalling, you know, there are animals that are, uh, you know, killed and poisoned and tortured. I've seen all sorts of stuff, but I learned to say, okay, I need to complete what I'm, what I started, but, and by doing that, you know, I need to keep separating my emotions. Yeah. Gotcha. yeah. Cause that, cause if, if you get too emotionally attached, it can, I suppose it can be a, um, <laughs> detriment detriment like you stop taking action don't you because you you get too emotionally attached to it so yeah it's interesting exactly and so uh, you know it's like you know i came up with this term loving action because it's really it's more than just loving and not doing really anything i mean love you know loving is great but loving in action is something is is taking love a step further so you really realize that okay you have all this love how can i put that love into action how can yeah, i like it yeah it's, it's used, using it practical and i'll tell you i'll tell you one thing um i like just for you russ because i know you're listening um laura's website's got bees on right why haven't we got any bees on our website come on russ tell me no, see, Laura, he's not listening. He's, he's, he's clearly not. He's clearly not. So that was part one of Laura's story. We are going to be sharing the second part of what Laura's all about next week. Nice. Shall we get on with the end of the show show? Let's do it. Don't steal my spotlight. <laughs> there you go. Tis the end podcast but, but the end is never truly the end um the end is never truly the end when you're listening to long legs long torso and long legs little torso that is or, as as we uh, as we prefer to go by uh general full pine <laughs> and captain half pine general full pine and captain half pine i love that <laughs> absolutely love that i can play that works with the torso yeah, yeah that works with the torso we were out um we were out for a meal um, uh, on Sunday, weren't we? Yes. Me and you, wandering around London town on our way out for a meal, stopped at a restaurant, I asked for a pint, and they came up with a half pint. Now, anybody who knows me knows that I'm not so keen on complaining about stuff, but when I get a half pint and ask for a full pint, I'm moaning. I am asking for another pint. Anyway... 
asked the waiter for a full pint. He came back with two half pints. I don't want two half pints. I want a full pint. <laughs> but because I don't like complaining, I kept the two half pints. And now he has become general full pint in his half pint army. Yeah, exactly. Right, let's move on <laughs> to the uh, last week's question of the podcast because we've got loads and loads and loads of comments. And uh, the um, there's some amazing uh, ones here. Last week's question of the podcast is... What food and drink goes together amazingly well? Um, and let's start with an absolute classic, a curry and a cobra lager. No question. That's from mm. Mike Christie. You're, now, you're not a drinker, are you? So what would be, remind us, what would be your food and drink combo you'd have? Uh, bread and oil. Bread and oil? That's hardly a drink. <laughs> you're not going to have a pint of oil, are you? Why not? Okay. <laughs> Next time we're out, I'm going to ask for a pint of olive oil for you. Um, secondly, we've got Andrew Berwick, who's who's gone fast. He's gone fast food. McDonald's fries and milkshake. Now, what Andrew uh, what Andrew hasn't specified is the flavour. It's got to be banana, hasn't it? It's got to be banana. Not with fries. What, what combination are you going with fries? Vanilla. No, banana all the time. Big Mac, chips and a banana milkshake. McFlurry um, on the side. Gillian, <laughs> Gillian Bird. No, McFlurry in the Big Mac. Gillian Bird has just gone really simple. Bread and water. Um, Georgia Ackles has gone mm, something that would certainly suit my, my taste. Cheese and wine. Oh. Keely Bedding's gone old school. Old school East End of London. Pie mash liquor. And then orange juice. Oh, I like orange juice. What do I have it with pie mash and liquor, though? I don't know. I'd have orange juice with anything. Caroline Thompson just said Jack Daniels with any food you like. <laughs> um, and Hazel Grace has agreed and said cheese and wine every time. Uh, Jeremy Squibb said pasty and spingo. Those who know, know. Now, I've got a fit. I've got a feeling that that is a Cornish thing because uh, Jeremy is... Um, Cornish from the good county of Cornwall. Um, Never do that again. <laughs> <laughs> I have got a long torso. I can do what I want. Okay, um, full pint. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, half pint. Uh, you're captain half pint. I'm general. I outrank you. Right, I outrank you. Karina Murray said toasted ham and cheese, ham, cheese and tomato, and a good old mug of builder's tea. Now, what do you call? Just out of interest. Unofficial question in the podcast. And um, what do you call just a cup of English tea? Tea. Just tea. Yeah. Do you call it breakfast tea or f- English tea or? No, any other type of tea I'd specify, but it's just tea. Okay, just tea. Like, here's me mug of Earl Grey. Here's me mug of Lady Grey. Here's me, here's me lo- mug of. Just- I just, I just want to make a carry-on style pun when you've. Re- hey, what's me Lady Grey? Um, what? Here's me, here's me mug of diffused white tea, peach flavoured. Here's a tea. Yeah. I used the PG tips. Yeah, agreed. I like it. Uh, Justin Gaffney's going for Prosecco and pizza. Al McCann said milk and dairy milk. Nice. <laughs> Not milk. Uh, Terry Upham went for steak and a red wine. Or red Ste- steak and a red wine. Oof. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe a brown steak and a red wine. Or maybe a uh, red blue steak, steak and a brown wine. Yeah. Can anyway. you get blue wine? You can't get blue one. SWKD blue, isn't it? <laughs> um, 
Steve Dan's gone proper, proper back, back from the pub. Lager and kebab. Nice. And if I know, he said milk chocolate digestives and a nice cup of coffee or tea. Cassie uh, Dames has gone for red wine and dark chocolate. Matt Warren's uh, gone for gin and tonic with a slice of lime as his food. Part of his five a day. Sue Conyu's gone up, up market. Fish and chips with a champagne. Um, I don't think I've ever had champagne and fish and chips. Um, and I, don't, Co- I don't like champagne, but fish and chips I'll take any yeah, day. Yeah. Coral Knight has gone for white wine and cheese. Mm. So I think the general consensus is that cheese and wine go together nice. very well. I'm going to go for an Italian and uh, two half pints. Um, not a full pint, two half pints. What, what? are you going for? Um, I will have some a bagel. A bagel. A Brick Lane bagel. And a ba- a a mug of tea, yeah. <laughs> and a mug of Earl Grey. A mug of Earl no, Grey. No, no, one of those like you know Costa travel cups of coffee. Okay. You never get tea from a Costa. No. 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 You get tea from home. You, you make get tea, tea from home. home. All right. And on that note, thank you, my friends, for listening to another episode of the Kindness Project. Have a lovely week, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.